ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening thank you for downloading and thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 kyle podcast i am your boy 12 kyle man check this out (laughs) on this episode uh we are taking it back we're going to talk about one of the most probably arguably one of the greatest and maybe misunderstood, maybe underrated, maybe overrated rap labels ever. We are talking about the almighty Death Row, the rise and fall of Death Row Records. And listen, I couldn't get anybody else on this podcast to talk about this episode, uh, about this subject, uh, without getting these two uh, gentlemen on here. Um, My first guest uh, is no stranger to the show. Um... You guys have seen him on here. He represents the east side of L.A. He has two podcasts, not one, but two. Uh, Open Run with BTG uh, and Baylor the Great for President, BTG for President. You know him. You love him. Baylor is back in the building. BTG, what up, man? Hey, 12 Cal, that money that you sent through, they said it was too much money. So you got to, like, break it down in, like, three different payments. They said the, the amount that you sent. The amount that you donated, you got to break it down in like three different transfers because it was just, they they flagged it. FBI, CIA, X Men, all See, of that. Well, shit. Well. We doing this tonight, man. I'm just don't, don't show up in front of company, man. <laughs> <laughs> and my next guest, speaking of money, I mean, listen. I'm not even going to say much anymore about money. He is the host of the Too Much Game podcast. You've seen him on here before. My man, Uncle Dolomite, is back in the building. Dolly, what up? Good evening, motherfuckers and motherfuckers. What's going on, 12 Cow? The richest podcaster in the world. Man, bro. This guy, boy. Wealth personified. Somebody's going to believe y'all one day. One day, somebody's going to believe y'all. But it ain't going to be today. <laughs> he gonna change his name to 12b for Listen, 12 billion dollars i wanted to get you guys on here <laughs> this dude, boy, i tell you with friends like this you don't need enemies um i wanted to get you guys on man so we could get on here and talk about death row records uh the rise and fall of death row records um uh unbeknownst to a lot of people death row records is still a thing i you know i Honestly, before I started even kind of getting the idea, Death Row, you know, I, I went and actually looked it up. Death Row actually still has a website. Um, and it's being run by Snoop at this current time that we're talking. Um, but the original Death Row record started back in 1991. Dr. Dre, of course, Suge Knight, uh, Dick Griffey. Uh, I did not know Dick Griffey, the legendary Dick Griffey, uh, was an investor in uh, Death Row. So I guess where I want to start with you guys, and I'll start first with you, Baylor. When you think of Death Row, what's the when if somebody says Death Row Records, what's the first thing you think about? Suge Knight up top, Suge Knight and uh, in the Death Row chain. Can you hear me? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say I, I see twelve Kyle not. <laughs> what about you, uh, Dolan? Oh, yeah, shit. I got you, Baylor. Oh, okay. Um, shit. The birth of G Funk. Like, a, a, a lot of what mm. 
the West Coast sound like it's from what they started. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd agree too. I think um my when somebody says Death Row, I, I think of that image, the the logo first and foremost, and then I think of Suge Knight pulling on a, a on a big cigar. You know what I'm saying? Just that was just the look like that he gave. Um I think those images, everything that you guys mentioned and what I mentioned too as well, is very apropos because Death Row was a staple in the 90s as far as hip-hop was concerned. Um, They created a sound and fear, and we'll talk about that in in a few, all across rap. Um, And I think one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys on is to have your perspective because I am 10 years older than both of you. So I know what I heard and I didn't really see much because we didn't have the internet, you know, in the nineties or whatever, but I know what I heard, heard about death row and what I, you know, the stories and legendary recording sessions and all of this stuff like that. And the people that came in and out, people that want to label. Um, but I wanted to get, definitely get you guys perspective because you guys, you know, having grown up and lived out there, maybe you may have seen or heard different things. Um, as far as artists, before we even get like deep into it, let's just start with the surface stuff. As far as artists, who is your Dolomite? Who is your, your favorite artist on Death Row? And why? Uh, honestly, I have to say Snoop because to me, Doggy Style is the greatest album of all time. Like I, I fuck with Thriller, you know. Like it's, it's certain albums that I fuck with, but. Nigga, doggy style, <laughs> something different, dog. Like I, I, I remember when that shit came out. Like I remember my first time, and it was funny. The first time I heard that album, I was on Crenshaw, in in my dad Lowrider. Like we was on the shot, and literally every car mm. up and down Crenshaw was playing that shit. So it, it, it's Snoop Dogg. I think too. What about you, Baylor? Um, mine would be uh, well, just like how he said with um, with Doggy Style. My favorite album was Dog Food. You know what I'm saying? I looked at Dads and Corrupt. They was like, y'all remember mm. Rockers? I remember uh, Shawn Michaels and Genetti. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was my that was my favorite album right there. It's, still, it's probably in my top five all time. I get that because when, wow. when wow that's what's up when dog when dog food dropped that was another yeah, that was one a of cold them, ass like, album um go ahead talk. <laughs> well, God, I got a cold delay dog oh yeah no doubt no 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 go ahead go ahead you got it nah, go ahead you, don't got, you got it you got a delay you got a you got a delay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I can tell be a satellite, Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, on satellite on Mo's show. Um, yeah, the uh, my probably my favorite artist. I I, I definitely say was Snoop. Um, Snoop was uh, he was just different, man. I mean, like, and you mentioned like the, the Doggy Style album. That album not only was it cold, but I just remember probably one of my my main memories from that album was. 
the buzz around the album. I mean, he had had the you know deep cover, and so like the buzz was crazy. And so like they put, I remember the release date. It was supposed to come out like on a Tuesday, and they pushed it up to like Friday. And I just remember going to the store in the Prince of Orange Mall in um, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, where I went to South Carolina State, and we got to the mall, and the mall was closed, and there was a line out the door, down the street, and like around a corner. And I was like, man, all these people, everybody was there for it because the store opened at midnight, so you could get the Doggy Style album. And um, we, of course, we cut the line or whatever, but um. It was a man. Listen, it was it was crazy because, again, what I want to kind of paint the picture of is that particularly for somebody who's listening, who wasn't around back then, like if you didn't get that doggy style album the week that it came out, you might not ever get it. Like you you would have had to wait till at least like a week or two, because stores only got but so many. You know, so the the Best Buys and place like that, you know, Sam Goody Tower Records, they got more. But, you know, depending on where you bought you bought it from, you might not, you may have to wait if you didn't get it when the first day that it came out. So the buzz was just crazy, man. I, I really, I really love that album. And it's an album I still bump to this day. Um, what are, what other albums? Um, I know you mentioned uh, Dog Food Baylor. What other albums would you say, like, just Death Row releases that really just stood out to you, like your favorites as far as uh, Death Row records? I mean, shoot, outside of, you got, I mean, Outside of uh Snoop and 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 uh and the dog pound, I mean, you can't help but to bring up Pac. You know what I'm saying? What Pac and 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 whatever Drake got his fingers mm-hmm. on at the time. So, um, and it was different. It was different because when the height of the um, or I, I wouldn't say the height of it, but the beginning of the beef, um, it seemed like. It seemed like from the moment the beef was on prior to that, everything was just equal with me. I was listening to Red Man. I was listening to uh, Wu-Tang a little bit. Didn't really understand him, but I listened to him. I messed with Red Man a little bit more. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And a couple of other cats from the East Coast. But, you know, once once that switch hit on, it was it was it was just like a different the city was just different. Yeah, and like with me, of course, all eyes on me. That shit was a game changer. Yeah. And um, shit, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, and it was funny because Warren G wasn't even signed to to Death Row, but we associated him with Death Row. Mm -hmm. Like, he he had that same sound. Right, right. So, um, you know, when, when his album dropped, it's fucked up that I can't remember the name of it because I used to play that motherfucker all the time when he was, you know, leaning on the street sign. Like, that album was crazy. Like, everything that was coming from around they camp. Because I even remember that uh, Dre produced the Firm album and it was written. So just every everything that they touched was banging. And it was a trip because... Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was on the uh, the Easy E side of things, as you know, Baylor could tell because he'd been to my house. You see, I got the Easy E picture on my wall. They shot the diss song "Real Compton City G's" Joke. in front of my uncle's house. So, as much as I didn't like them niggas as people, their music was so dope you had to fuck with it. 
Now that's interesting. So, okay, so let's let's go back a little bit. So, of course, we know that you know Dre was with Easy, the NWA, um, straight out of Compton, crazy album. Um, well, first Easy does it, which came out first, and then straight out of Compton, uh, both '88 classics, in my opinion. Um, I think helped molded what we know as West Coast music. I, I won't say it started gangster rap or anything like. That. I'll, I'll just say it helped mold the fit that we thought was gangster rap. Um, so, as far as the beef that that Easy and Dre had, were people like siding out there from what you can remember, or at least from what maybe people older people were talking about? Hell yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I mean, it favored us though. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll put it to you like this: I was still listening to the music, but I was against Bad Boy for sure. He talking about the Easy E beef though. Oh, which the oh the well, that, records. Oh, well, look, let me I'm talking Easy E. Yeah. Oh, I stayed out of that. <laughs> What's that yeah, no, nah, I was What's... I was literally in that party, <laughs> like, um. I'm cool with BG Knockout. So like in the song, yeah. um, what would you do when uh, Dad said "fuck what BG Knockout" do? and everybody down with him? We took that shit personally. And the crazy, the the crazy thing That's is, crazy. yeah, BG Knockout caught a body behind that shit. He ended up in prison for some years. He just, Ooh. I think he just got out like about, wow. didn't know that about a decade ago. But he did about. 10 to 15 behind that shit because you know the, the ruthless records versus uh death row that niggas wasn't playing about that shit we like their music but we didn't like them niggas mm. Mm. wow wow that's crazy when you think about it because like you know where we stood we didn't know any any. I mean, we knew that there was tension between obviously Death uh, Death Row and Ruthless, but you know, from what we heard, it was all on wax. You know, uh, and we didn't know much about any threats or anything like that. Of course, you know, we heard rumors, and then you know, you heard the stuff about Suge or whatever like that, and Suge became this mythical figure, you know, in hip hop. I mean, like, even if you go back a little bit further when you start thinking about like some of the albums that got released on death row, you talk about the chronic doggy style dog food, all eyes on me, uh, the Don Columinati theory. Um, even, even some of the soundtracks like the above the rim soundtrack murder was the K soundtrack, just to name a few. I mean, like those were some, I don't want to say classic albums, but I mean, but like they were classic. incredible albums. Right. And then, so you have this underlying I mean, well, you know, I I, don't, I try not to throw the word classic around, but I love all, all those albums. And so you got that, but then you have this underlying bubbling thing that's going on in a power struggle within Death Row as well between Dre and Suge. So, Dolomite, my next question I want to throw to you. Um, okay. <laughs> How can I put this? Um, <laughs> since in your organization... <laughs> In your organization, how was it that Shug was able to bring together Bloods and Crips? Because, but um, how was he able to bring 
his faction and the Crips together and everybody mesh under that under that umbrella and be successful keeping it music and not street. Most of the, the street motherfuckers in that label was bloods. Like Snoop Dogg was a Crip, you know, Nate Dogg and them, like they was Crips, but they was almost like employees. But everybody who was like down with, with death row on the street angle of it, they was all my pie rules. So it wasn't like he had this united front of Crips and Bloods. It was more like, mm. nigga, do you want your bag or do you want to be next to a bunch of Crips? Like, you got to fall in line with what's going on. So it wasn't even that it was no super unity because, you know, with the stories that, that were told, niggas was, was getting in squabbles in that studio regularly because of shit like that. So yeah, niggas got along for the the sake of the bag but it was definitely tension in that motherfucker but you know yeah. niggas wanted they bread i think i think there's an interview out there with dads talking about how you know they they everybody on the same level but there was still a division you know what i'm saying because the street politics or whatever um so they had you know I, i'm pretty sure they was outnumbered you know what I mean? But still, the, I think they had one of the most popular acts <laughs> on the label, Definitely. which is Snoop. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's his homies. Which which is, I was I was talking to Dolomite last last weekend, and I was like, uh, Two Fly was my son's uh, 707 coach. And then I just I, then I realized mm. the the whole coaching staff was dog <laughs> was dog foul, you know. So <laughs> I, I could be a little I could be a little bit biased. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. me and Baylor both kind of got tired. That, you know, that's interesting because shit. it's like when you think about it. Go ahead, go ahead, Dolan. No, go ahead, do your thing. You got a delay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that what I was going to ask was like, you know, the when you look at the where everything is kind of crossing, there is ties that are crossing. You know what I'm saying? Where you know you got one guy over here, one guy over here, and it's like, like you said, do you want to you want to make money? Or you want to you know go to war with each other? Um, so I, I guess the thing that that always kind of was mind boggling to me was. And Baylor, I'll start with you. How do you think Suge was able to to bring all of this together? Because he wasn't somebody that like went to college. He wasn't somebody. He wasn't an industry. I mean, he had worked in the industry, but he hadn't. He wasn't an industry guy. He was a guy that came up from the streets. How how, how do you think about because people depending on where you are and who you are and where you are in life. You know, people have one way or another they feel about Suge Knight. I mean, like they they, they either love him. I don't know anybody's like, oh yeah, Suge's okay. You know, like like they don't. Nobody says that about him. So, my question is, you know, how do you think he was able to pull all that together? Uh well, we don't have too many examples of of uh, you know, cast that was in that position who did go to college though. You know, what I'm saying some of these infamous record labels was built off the. The back of some mm-hmm. some street cats, or was funded by some real street cats. You know what I mean? So uh, I think he just he you know he had the name mm. where I, I'm assuming I can't tell you uh, facts you know facts, but 
I'm assuming he got a name in he his uh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> Suge, Suge Knight wasn't uh <laughs> he wasn't really a street dude. Like Suge Knight, he you know, he went to UNLV as a football player. He did. Like he, yeah. he got his name mm-hmm. up off of being, you know, uh NWA's bodyguard for a while. And Bobby. And, yeah, and also his association to Harry Yo. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, the 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 bigger investor in Death Row Records. Like yep. Harry O had a whole lot to do with that. Like even with the street cred that Suge Knight got, like of course, he gained his street cred through, you know, knocking niggas out and getting niggas knocked out. So his street cred built through the industry, not as much before. But a a, a lot of what it was that as far as like really what helped him get everybody together was his business acumen. Like he was always a good businessman. He was always a hustler. So he had the ability to basically put into everybody's mind. Like, you know, like you said earlier, 12 Cal, do you want this bag or do you want this beef? Like nigga, you got to choose mm-hmm. one. Like y'all niggas going to have to coexist at least somewhat in order for us to get this money. So even if y'all got to go in the back and get, a, you know, some fisticuffs, we still going to get in here and make this music. <laughs> and, and he getting cats out of contract. So <laughs> you mentioned, you know, um, you mentioned easy earlier, um, which is where I'm going. You mentioned easy earlier, Dolomite. Um, let's just say for the sake of saying easy E lives doesn't pass away from HIV could ruthless and death row could have coexisted at the rate at the rate that they were I guess that they were going if easy had lived yeah but um there was gonna be casualties mm-hmm. probably on both sides yeah because like that, you know, like I said earlier, that that beef wasn't just on wax. I don't know if you heard about the something for the honeys video shoot, where uh, BG knockout and Drake ran into, you know, ran into them niggas, and you see Nate Dog hitting Drake over the head with that golf club, like golf club, yeah. Them them niggas wasn't playing, so mm-hmm. it, it was club, a situation yeah. where if if Easy wouldn't have died, it it it, it could have went stronger with with um ruthless records because like one thing i didn't like about the the nwa movie like i tell people the less you know about the situation the more entertaining the movie is because if you was really there for that you realize that movie was full of bullshit because like if you watch the movie and you see like easy was going broke he was downgrading houses he was back selling weed that's bullshit Around that time that they said that Easy E was falling off, he had fucking Bone Thugs and Harmony. Easy E never fell off. Like, remember, he had Bone mm-hmm. Thugs and Harmony. He also discovered the Black Eyed Peas. Like, in, in no context was Easy falling off in no way. So, yeah. if honestly, if Ruthless would have stayed cracking, shit, Ruthless would be a huge label right now. I think honestly they they probably would have pushed each other to be bigger than they was. But knowing Suge, Death Row probably would have fell off any fucking way. And you you never know. Snoop would have probably <laughs> <been> up on <laughs> Ruthless. 
Matter of fact, Snoop and Dre, because on some real shit, if they was able to get their business together and, you know, bury the hatchet and, like, really be able to get the monies to make sense, we could have saw NWA come back together. Man, that would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. That would have been insane. What about you, Baylor? As far as what? What was the question? If easy, I mean, as far as alive. like what what uh what Dolomite was if if he if easy was still alive. Oh man, I think the whole rap game would be different. Like you know that whole butterfly effect. You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking, I'm think I the the two the two cats that that we have. If you talk to a lot, and I sent you a video too, twelve cow. But if you've noticed. And then, and then I can't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to take too much from that video because it was a bunch of youngsters or even people that was, wasn't even from here that that was just throwing out names. But across the board, if you talk to a cast that that's really from here, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get past uh, number one and number two and not say Nip and Easy E. And that goes beyond. You know what I'm saying? The 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 booth you know what i'm saying we talking about changing the, the streets of la you know so i mean we got it, it took us this long to get an artist like nip to change that but easy definitely easy charisma in the in the city was just it was unmatched you know what i'm saying we talking about you know it's michael jackson and then him <laughs> you know what i mean that's who he was so um it changed to me it changes <laughs> it, to me it probably changes the sound of the west coast a little bit you know i mean we shared we shared a spotlight in the early 2000s with the bay area um there's no telling where the rap game would have went on the west coast if, if if easy was still alive i see a lot of more it's a lot of more gangster music in the future that's for sure <clears throat> Oh, you already know that. <laughs> um, that that actually leads me to another point I want to make. Um, the three of us, huge sports fans. Um, there's a there's a term in sports called a free agent. So, a free agent we know can make or break a team. A free agent can go and be on a team and bring other free agents and win championships. We ain't gonna talk about that. <laughs> So my question is, in theory, Suge Knight brought in two free agents, mm-hmm. Dr. Dre, Tupac. Which free agent do you think was more important to death row, Dr. Dre or Tupac? Baylor, you go first. Dre. Shit. That's a good-ass question. Um... I would have to say I don't, I don't I don't even think there's a there's a right or wrong answer if you say either one because Dre had the sound Dre had the sound but Pac was a one man army um, mm-hmm. man that's a tough one I mean I could say mm. I could say I could say this I could say Pac brought more attention to the, to the label you know what I mean especially where. And he and it was organic because of where he from originally. You know what I mean? That's why he's bumped down on the list 
after so many after so many decades really um um i would definitely say it, it'll probably i probably got to go with Pac only because the other coach was paying attention to us a little bit more because of him that's a i got dre mm-hmm. because i feel like without dre there'd um, be no different. i think yeah go ahead yeah like dre without dre there's no doggy style without dre there's no chronic without dre the in the above the rim soundtrack don't sound how it sound without them dre beats it it wouldn't have been all eyes on me like Pac was a beast don't get me wrong but when you put Pac on them dre beats that shit was different it was a whole different fucking sound like we got a whole different Pac. like california love to live and die in la like that was yeah. that was Dre. Like Pac was Pac before Dre, but Pac was a yeah. whole different Pac after Dre. So yeah. I would have to say Dre. Thanks. Yeah, I, I gotta say Dre. I mean, that's it, it's, it is a tough question. Um, and actually, um, <laughs> that was actually the question that started my idea about this podcast because, you know, I think both of them are essential but dre was part of the foundation and i think you know much like dolomite just said like if you don't have if you don't have dre the chronic set it off i mean like the chronic was the springboard to snoop's career it was the springboard to us you know being introduced at least for people like me introduced to the dog pound lady of rage rbx all everybody else that dropped on that album um that would drop subsequent albums um you know they were introduced to a lot of us through that particular album and if you don't have dre i mean he's the engineer and then doggy style was you know and people people still go back and forth about which one was better doggy style or uh, the chronic um i i that's a question i can't answer because i i love both of them I, i don't i i can't even really differentiate between the two um and I know it's people have their favorites, um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it's that the, both of those I think both of those guys are, are really important because, like Dolomite said, Pac was one way before he got to Death Row. Then he comes to Death Row, and he, and keep in mind, his time on Death Row really wasn't that long, a couple of years max, and you saw what he he did. Um, so the next question I got for you guys, and I'll start first with you, uh, Dolomite. Did did Tupac's death was that the beginning of the end of Death Row? Yes. Like it, it was already starting to decline because just like you heard on Toss It Up, like he was already dissing Dre. Like Dre was already on his way out. Like shit was already fucking up. Mm-hmm. But like his death was literally the nail in the coffin because I feel like if let's hypothetically say he stay alive and he stay with death row because, you know, there was a rumor that a part of the reason he's dead is because he was planning on leaving death row. But let's just hypothetically say he meant to stay. Yep. He would have been able to keep them lights on that death row for however long he wanted to, honestly. So if he stays on that label that label 
can't go nowhere like it's like if you got if you sign drake or you sign jay-z like as long as they making music yo your life stay <laughs> you know so if he to stay then you know even with all the turmoil even with dre leaving even if snoop would have left that nigga could have held that label by his damn self so yeah he he was the nail in the coffin What about you, Baylor? Uh, same. I mean, we talking about this is like, oh man, I know, I know, I'm about to get, I know, I'm about to get some backlash when I say this. This is like putting Michael uh -oh. Jordan on the lake. <laughs> this, oh, like putting, <laughs> this is like Michael Jordan on the Lakers, and then you know, he end up retiring or something like yeah, that. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was the end of it, man. Once Pop went down, I mean, I think because I think at that point, um, right after we started to get, we started to get a, like a plethora of East Coast artists started to come out a little bit more. You had the rise of DMX, um, and even I know it's, it's going to be funny, but Ja Rule was on his way and things like that. But I think because of Pox, because of Pox's death, right, right. Uh, that just that turned that turned that turned a whole rap game around so let alone the fall of death road the whole rap game kind of changed i think right. the door opened for other artists uh to get in that we probably wouldn't see if pop was still alive with how we talk about if easy was still alive i don't think we see certain artists come out you know what i mean so yeah it was definitely right. and it, it was it was a it was a direct fall after that yeah, because the the West Coast literally fell off after that. Yeah, mm -hmm. the only thing we had after that was I mean, what, you, West you could tell that there was a shift. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, how how was it? I, and and I know again, I was older than you guys, so if I want to say Pot, when Pot died, I was probably like twenty three, so that would have made y'all thirteen. So I don't know how y'all can answer this, but. Uh, answer as best as you can how was it as far as from what you can remember what you heard how was it as far as moving around out there because like <laughs> this is gonna make y'all laugh i just remember hearing literally hearing artists rappers from the east coast on the radio saying yeah we can't go to la we can't go to la and la can't come out here how was it as far as like moving around i know it wasn't no problem for y'all because y'all live there but do, do you remember hearing anything Thing, uh you know about you know people coming out there or artists coming out there anything like they're being you know trying to get extra security all kind of stuff like that nah not from my knowledge i wasn't we wouldn't get any information like you know we didn't have twitter back then so we didn't know what them niggas was saying back there <laughs> you know what i mean but uh <laughs> I, my as a 13 year old my mind wasn't really <laughs> my mind wasn't really on that it was a shock it was like a culture shock when i got when we got when i got the word i remember i was in my living room mm -hmm. and and i got the mess i was like damn um but but like i said uh, on one of my episodes when i was talking about nip the impact of his death was far more much greater than when pog died i think one because i was young i was 13. um and then I think mm -hmm. that was, I think Pac's death was 
the first that was like my first first encounter losing an artist like that if i'm not mistaken you know what i mean like like columbine the shooting that was that was my first time ever hearing about or witnessing a school shooting so it was like i didn't really know how to how to react to that you know what i mean um but yeah yeah no i i went to school i would i mean i was i was i was sad that he was gone but not i wouldn't sad like when we lost nick and see like on on our side yeah like when when Pac passed away you know because like i said like not that i was like really ingrained <clears throat> in the whole death row shit, but you know like i said doc uh drace to and bg knockout is from my neighborhood so it was a whole lot of rumblings of them bad boy niggas better stay where they at like they they better not bring their dumb ass out here mm. like when when biggie died honestly my first thought was it's the fuck you get like i ain't even gonna bullshit you like as sad and as morbid as that sounds like nigga you was at odds with the 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 face of the west coast at the time and then this nigga passed away and then you know within some months you out Mm -hmm. here partying like nigga the fuck you thought was gonna happen yep and it's, it's not even that I was happy that he died, yep. but at the same time, it kind of was like, nigga, what the fuck did you, what did you honestly think was going to happen? Like, you know, that's like some Atlanta niggas going to Chicago after King Vaughn got killed. Like, nigga, right. is you stupid? Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that ain't what you want to do. And, you know, that's the thing. It was, um, it, it was, it was even more heightened. I don't think it was that big. I mean, it was it was a big deal when Pac died, but it was try it was they tried to kind of portray it as uh, an isolated incident. But we knew, like, we heard. You know, we we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have you know social media, anything like that. So, you know, all we heard was what we heard, and what we heard, a lot of what we heard turned out to be true. Um, a lot of it was rumor and speculation. Then when Biggie died, when Biggie got murdered. And given the fact that he was murdered out there, I just I, I, I distinctly remember artists being on the radio in New York City on Hot 97 saying, "Yo, we can't go out there. We can't go out to L.A. And, and, and L.A. rappers can't come out here because it's going to be a problem. And so then they tried to get Farrakhan in and all of this other stuff. And this was at the quote unquote height of the beef, if you want to call it a beef. Um but I think um, I think you know those deaths were definitely significant. Um, I remember where I was when Pac when we got the word that Pac died. Um, I was at work and um, and I just remember we had a radio at work and they played a Tupac song and I walked outside and I came back inside and they were playing another. Two. I was like, that's weird. I was like, they don't normally play Tupac songs back to back. And then they played another Tupac song. I was like, they played Dear Mama. That was like the third song. And then the guy came on and said we lost Tupac. You know, so forth and so on. I was like, "Wow!" It's like, you, you, I, like it, I was in disbelief because that particular time you didn't lose, um, you didn't lose people as far as rappers like that. Um, but Death Row was was Death Row took took over rap. Really, I mean, like it literally had rap in a in a chokehold. Um, when you, I guess the next question I had, and I'll start first with you, Baylor. When you think about some of the some of the songs some of the songs from 
the death row artists when you think about the music that came out on death row like what are what are some of the joints like even to this day you put on it and you just jammed to new york new york new york out the gate i still listen to new york new york i listen to that like it's an r&b song I go up and down Crenshaw, you know, because I got a couple. I got a couple of clients that don't stay too far off of Crenshaw. I have my window all the way down, ignorant volume, New York, New York. That's one of the smoothest. That's one of the smoothest rap songs. Of <laughs> so I play. I play that one like. I mean, it's almost damn near an, an alarm clock for me. Shit. With me, the whole Doggy <clears throat> Style album, especially like G's and Hustlers. Yeah. I think G's and Hustlers is like probably one of my, my favorite songs that came out of there. Um, you Can't See Me by Tupac, um, 21 Gun Salute, Blasphemy. Mm. Like it's a bunch of them because like, you know, that that was like my era. And I low-key be playing catch-up. Because like I said, at the time, I was on Easy East side of that beef. So a lot of that death row shit, I didn't even want to hear it at the time. When it was like at its height and cracking, mm-hmm. it's like you couldn't help but to hear it because it was dope. But just <laughs> off personal feelings of, you know, hearing the song, mm-hmm. um, what would you do when a nigga saying fuck BG Knockout? Like, nigga, that's my homeboy. What the fuck you mean? Yeah. Fuck BG Knockout and everybody down right. with him. Nigga, I'm down with him. Right. Nigga, you just said fuck right. me. In a song, you know, so it it kind of it kind of hit different. But like now at this time, you know, Daz and BG Knockout is cool. Like, you know, on phone call status. So, you know, mm-hmm. now I could listen to the music, you know, <laughs> with with objectivity and actually enjoy it as opposed to back in the day when I was listening to that shit with a frown on my face, like these bitch ass niggas going in. <laughs> you can listen to it like it's art now. Yeah, exactly. Like I could actually enjoy it. Where at the time, like even when I heard Doggy Style, I said, "This yeah. bitch ass nigga going." <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, man. For me, um, like you said, I, surprisingly, G's and Hustlers love that joint. Man, I mean, it, it's it's almost, and I don't even know if, if Snoop freestyled it, but it sounds like a freestyle. That's what you um, said. It sounds about as close to a freestyle I think as you can get at particular, yeah, at, at somebody at that level. And, and I, I, I thought I heard him say something like that, but I wasn't sure if, if that was true or not. Um, but yeah, Chronic, man, I mean, just about everything on the Chronic. Um, I used to dog pound, um, smooth. Um, what would you do? That was my joint too as well. Sorry, BG, my bad. <laughs> I used to pump that shit too. Uh, and and even pop, um, I, I'm not, and I've said this before on the podcast, and people get mad at me. I still maintain all eyes on me should have been one CD. If it's one CD, it could possibly be the greatest album ever. But when you go to, he went the double CD route, and it, it was just it was a couple of filler songs on there, you know, songs they really didn't need. I, I get why they did it, but I mean it is what it is. But it's pop. I mean I love pop. Um, but yeah, though, though he, I mean he had, and they didn't honestly music wise they didn't miss. 
when they in their run, the death row run that they had, they didn't miss. Um, so that leads me to this next question, Baylor. I'll start with you, Suge Knight. Where did he go wrong? I mean, because he's come, he's coming up in in, in rap. He's a mogul. He's making money, you know. So all eyes on him, and he's got everything in his hands. And then he does it. Where where did where do you think he went wrong? Uh, not seeing a bigger picture, but I mean, I just can't put that on him. I can think of a lot of other uh, cats that was in his position with with other record labels. Uh, they may not have done the same thing that he did, but they all have their individual faults on running that type of roster, uh, a popular uh, a roster with depth um greed you know what i mean at the end of the day when you're trying to bully everybody everybody either gonna be scared of you or they're gonna be your enemy you know and and all these interviews that's coming out now on youtube um a lot of these east coast artists were admitting that they was afraid of you know but at the same we were and we was a heavy influence like the gang culture Mm -hmm. out here uh, which some of them still got it messed up. Some of them learned the wrong way, but they looked at they looked at it as it was a like it was like a like a style. But this was like real life out here, you know what I mean? Um, and they didn't they don't know the street politics. They didn't understand the street politics. They just they just seen uh, it was just a lot of pot. It was just a lot of cast that made that made gain they. I don't want to. I wouldn't necessarily say glorify, but you know, Castle out here was living a truth, and the East Coast, you know, was attracted to it. Um, I think she could have. He could have capitalized on it. You know what I'm saying? Especially with having the whole Death Row East, but it was just going the wrong way. But I mean, that's that's not just Suge though. That's the black culture in general. We don't know how to come together and unify for for the bigger cause. To this day, we still have arguments about who has the who was the what was the biggest label. Death Row is always going to be in the mix, and Death Row could have even got bigger. As soon as you start signing cash from from the, from the East Coast, depending on who you right. sign, that's just going to make you even even stronger. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was just too much ego involved. So that's all it is. the The rise and fall of everything is a man's ego. Yeah, I feel like where Suge fucked up Thanks. at was. He he wanted to make it a mafia instead of a music label. Yeah. Like he didn't he didn't understand the balance of fear and respect. Like, of mm. course, for a motherfucker mm. to respect you, there has to be a level of fear. Like they have to understand that you got the ability to punish them if they disrespect you. But he took that element way too far. Like he was cool with the cigar and you know, I got these street niggas with me, but he was over forcing his hand like you know like i said in the the suge knight freestyle the episode that i did he was a king that was moving like a pawn like when you a king you don't be on the front line when you a king you don't put your hands on nobody like nigga you you don't demonstrate you delegate but he was so busy trying to be the most feared motherfucking music like if somebody respects you they'll work with you if somebody respects you they'll work around you but if somebody fears you, they'll try to eliminate mm-hmm. you. Yep. So when you create right. this fear, 
everybody wants to knock you off as opposed to like you know other label heads like a um like a jay prince you know motherfuckers feared him but they also respected him like you know i understand that you know this motherfucker is a dangerous man right but he's a man of respect not just a man of fear but suge knight on the other hand like jamie fox had the perfect analogy for it he was like nigga suge knight walk in the room nigga it's like a pit bull and don't nobody know the owner that's what suge knight was like nigga we don't know what (laughs) nigga might do this yeah. nigga, this nigga might whoop somebody ass. It might be a shootout. Like we don't know what's gonna happen with this nigga around here. And it's like that's bad for business, you know. Like that's bad for corporate and a lot of people that have put money into your business. Mm-hmm. So a lot of where Suge Knight fucked up at was he he stopped thinking like a, a label head and start trying to think like a gang leader. Yeah, and that's literally mm, what got his ass nice. locked up. Man, you you that not much more I can say after that, man. I mean, I, that's that's the truth. I mean, like he the opportunities were there, and you know he really just dribbled the ball off his foot. And I mean, like you can't argue with the success that he had, but he could have taken that success and taken it to the next level. Like Baylor mentioned, you know, having Death Row East artists, you know, he's he's east coast artists coming and signing uh, with the death row label i mean like he had ideas you know movies uh other ventures and stuff like that it just didn't pan out and um you know now he's doing time and i don't know if or when he's ever going to get out um but uh but yeah i just i had to i had to bring you guys on man um we we, I, i wanted to talk about you know the almighty death row because again death row to me Regardless of what you think, and I and I grew up with a lot of people who used to be on. Oh man, you listen to that West Coast music? Yeah, no, no. This music to me helped mold the '90s. It helped mold hip hop, and I think it's just as important. I think Death Row's just, the contribution that Death Row made is just as important to contribution that Bad Boy made. Um, and you can make a case for either one. It, it, which one was more important? Uh, but I know people have their favorites, but for me, this this music right here is special to me. This, this era was special to me. Death Row was special to me. Not having grown up and seen it or knew anything about it, but just the music that it delivered was dope. So I wanted to take some time, and of course, there's going to be a an episode about the rise and fall of Bad Boy as well, um, which should be interesting to say the least. Um, but before we get out of here, man, you guys. Again, I want to appreciate. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, like I said, I know it's been a delay in my headphones because my 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 delay is crazier than yours because it's taking even longer for me to hear you guys. But um, want to thank you guys for coming through. Uh, definitely appreciate it. Um, so before we get out of here, you guys can uh, Baylor. Um, you can go first. Uh, tell folks where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast, where they can cop and and definitely cop merch from these guys. I personally have gotten merchandise from both Baylor and Dolomite and uh, as he sh- <laughs> he flashes his oh yeah okay that's that's a Dolomite shirt okay, I mean that's a Baylor shirt um and um and it's dope man it's dope I ain't, I ain't just blowing smoke it's dope and it, and it feels good and it looks good so um 
Uh, go ahead and take it away, Baylor. At Baylorism on Twitter, at Baylorism on TikTok, at Baylor the Great on IG. Yeah, and buy merch. And all of my merch ain't for sale, but some of it is. And just pay me, and then I'll make it, and then I'll send it to you. Just do that. Just don't don't ask me no questions. I'll do that. <laughs> Stupid. What about you, Dolomite? Uh, follow me on Instagram at Uncle Dolomite or Too Much Game Podcast. I record on Sundays live. So when I'm recording my show, if you want to get involved around 2.30 p.m. Pacific time or possibly later than that, because, you know, I record when I feel like it. In the evening time or in the afternoon on Sundays, be ready. I'm going to be live on Instagram on my personal page or on my podcast page. I'm also on YouTube at Too Much Game Podcast, T-O-O, Much Game Podcast. Ain't no number two in that shit because I'm number one. Well, I forgot to mention my goddamn show. <laughs> Go ahead, nigga. Do it now while, while, while 12 Cal is on delay. Yeah, BTG for president. Open run with BTG, part of the Red Sons Network. Black Horror Humor. And that's it. Oh, and the Breaks Radio. I'm tripping. The Breaks Radio, too. I'm talking about the culture as well. Yo, and don't see, don't think I didn't see that, too. Uh, did he pay that bill real fast? He settled out of court. I seen that. Speaking of bad boy. And that's a pun. Say what? What happened? It is. He paid. He, he paid. Wow. From the from, wait a minute from the lawsuit that old girl yeah, just yeah. filed. I see that thirty tickets. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was quick. <laughs> it's Christmas time. He's smart man. Wow. That was quick. <laughs> hey man. The when the, when the details come out, man, you, you sometimes you, you can't afford it. You you can't afford for the truth to come out. You can't afford for the truth to come out, so it kind of is what it is. Um, but don't, but but don't believe the hype. Hey, that that bad boy uh, podcast is still coming. Please believe it. Um, you guys have been listening for a long time. But I hope you know where you can find me. You can find the Twelve Kyle Podcast uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Check me out. Ch- follow me on the socials at Twelve Kyle across the board. If you want to contribute and donate some money to this broke podcaster <laughs> dollar sign t-w-e-l-v-e-k-y-l-e uh that's gonna do it for us so for my man dolomite of the 12 kyle podcast we'll catch you guys next time five five